So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, The Darkest Timeline. I'm Axel Wright, with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. How you doing today, Ulrich? I gotta say, your Walter Cronkite intro kind of uh, cheered me up a little. Walter Cronkite? Uh, you know, I'll take this as a compliment. That, I like <laughs> That's that. the vibe I got going off that one. Well, I didn't realize what I was doing until I got like a few words in, then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make this like an official kind of like I'm introducing a news kind of thing. I don't know. So... <laughs> Just kind of riffing oh, myself. Nope, that works. Uh, I'm pretty good. I mean, as good as anyone can be. That's fair. I went on a date last night that went very well. Ooh. To the point where I already have a second date with the same girl on uh, two days from now. Hey, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, fingers crossed, it continues to go well. Also, I discovered a new content creator that I'm sure I'll recommend in whenever our next regular episode is that I've been just binging stuff for that's been super fascinating. I'll tell you about it later. I love when I find something like that, either a new show or a new content creator, and it's like, oh, this is my jam. I'm really digging this. Exactly. So I think, <laughs> I think you would like him, but for different reasons than I like him. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that right now. Now, this is a buckler, so... We're going to get right into it in a second, but since it's a buckler, it's like a normal buckler, I believe we have still have some patrons sounding off to do, right? We do. All right, this is my job on bucklers. So, according to the list I have in front of me, these are the patrons, the people who actually give us money every month so we can do what we do, and I am still amazed you guys are this awesome, and the least we can do is say your names out loud. And the list in front of me says... Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brennan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Nathan Willis, Patrick Anderson, Karsten Amel, Scott Rubin, and Derek Takate. Now, if you would like to join that list and have us say your name in thanks for your awesomeness, then you just head right over to Patreon slash Geeks with Shields. A dollar a month is like 25 cents an episode or less because sometimes we put out more stuff, but we always put out at least like four things unless there's something really weird going on. But anyway... Even something as small as that goes a long way towards helping us out. Now, <laughs> back to proper thing. This is a buckler. You out there technically have already read the, the thing that we're going to talk about. But for, I don't know, format's sake, Ulrich, what are we going to talk about today? I always like introducing our episode because maybe this just came up in your podcast feed and you didn't see the title. But oh, no, I agree. A, I just thought it was a funny thing to say. So yeah. <laughs> This is another entry in what we're calling our favorite movies in which we take a little bit of time to talk about one of either Axel or mine's favorite movies. And sometimes there's crossover, sometimes there's disagreement. I think today we're going to have agreement because we're talking about one of my favorite movies. And I know this will come as a shock to people, but that movie is... Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers. Ah, I was wondering where you were going to go. So, and yeah, I'd say there's some crossover. This is definitely one of those movies that I don't like as much as you do. I can tell that, but I enjoyed it. I only just saw it like last year for the first time. So that still surprised me. No, this is one of, got to tread carefully here because this is an interesting insight to me. The person, this is one of my happy place movies. 
Okay, well, hold on. Before we get into those kind of details, because uh, I work with several younger people who I have learned recently don't know seemingly basic things to, that are basic to yeah. me. It's you know kind of a normal thing. So for anyone who's listening and might not know who Paul Verhoeven is or what Starship Troopers is, why don't you give a b- brief explanation of both of those things? Oh, boy. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's a tricky one. So I'll circle back to that. Uh, Starship Troopers is a satirical, heavy on the satire part, sci-fi action flick from 1997, I believe. It's that new? I thought it was older than that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like that 97 is new to you. That that I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> Why well, just think of Starship Troopers as a late 80s movie, not a mid to late 90s movie? It's got the vibes. Verhoeven. No, anyway, we're getting off topic. Uh, about mankind's future war with giant arachnids and arachnids implies spiders but no they're just like razor edged well i would say they they call them the bugs so yeah but their technical name are the arachnids Mm -hmm. you could argue that starship troopers arachnids are uh the basis for a lot of sci-fi bugs because not to step on orc's toes here starship troopers was a book originally a much older book than 97 so. Yep, based on a you know very famous book. We're not gonna. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, it is a heavy satire about fascism and militarism, and was famously misinterpreted at the time because people thought it was a straight up endorsement of fascism. Because Paul Verhoeven is uh, the director, and he is Dutch, right? Yes, he is called the uh, the Mad Dutchman. Yeah, so Paul Verhoeven has a personal family history to victims of fascism he grew up in occupied holland during world war ii so when he got his hands on this particular material he which we're not going to get into necessarily the details of that how that the original material functions but he decided to use it as a as a vessel to basically tear down fascism as much as he could but the way he chose to do it sad set sad satire that Ulrich mentioned earlier, is by, in his own words in interviews, creating a fictional world that is the idealized fascist world, and then showing that the only thing it's good for is killing bugs. Yep. No, this is Verhoeven's American period. This is where you get RoboCop. This is where you get uh, Total Recall. This is where you get Showgirls. As far as I'm concerned, RoboCop and Total Recall are enough to put on the resume as pay attention to this guy's work. So Yes, but this is American. This is when he's going huge and bombastic and over the top, and American audiences were weirded out and going, "I don't know what this strange man is doing. This is too violent for me." Well, he also a weird statement to make. He also has a very. I don't know what the right way to put this is. At the time, he had what was considered a very foreign sensibility because, again, yes. he's a, he's Dutch, so he saw things like Americans' general prudeness as being very weird, like how uh-huh. Americans seem to be a lot more okay with violence than, you know, nipples. That was odd to him. And I I think it's a fair no, it's, feeling. The, it, no, yeah, I agree. Got, it's got odd. a great point. There's a good train of thought going down there. It's like, why are we so, I mean, violent, bloody massacres to sell soda, fine. Show a shapely buttock, you're on Fox News about how you're destroying the core values of America. Yeah, there's a famous story about Starship Troopers that I don't know necessarily the validity of where he has a scene in the movie that involves a co-ed shower. Oh, yes. That's the just shower a military. Scene. That is yeah. true. 
So he's got multiple actors that are naked, and one of the women actors, the main woman actor, you know, was obviously kind of uncomfortable with this at first. But and she said like, okay, I'll do it if you're also naked, Verhoeven. And he said, all right. And so he directed the scene naked. <laughs> yep, got in there with him naked because this is kind of his fun insight, and this is why this movie is dumb, but it's also smart in a way because in his mind that this perfect society where everyone is just meat for the meat grinder then everyone would be viewed as equal including right down to gender yeah like they're just soldiers they're not uh, people really Party should <laughs> matter race ethnicity no there's so much that's good about this movie in that he stocked it with a bunch of I don't know what Casper Van Dien was doing before this. I think he was on one of the teen heartthrob soap operas. But the cast is just stacked with attractive young people. That well, feel I like think they he's... fell out of uh, Merrill's place. Yeah, well, because, again, when, when we say that Paul Verhoeven was trying to create an idealized fascist world, what he was also trying to do was create a movie that was in the same vein as old fascist propaganda films. Yes, like so... there are scenes that are literally copy-pasted from Triumph of the Wills. Yeah, and that's on purpose to basically point out how nonsense this is. And so by casting very attractive, very young people who were not necessarily cast for the acting ability, but them not being great actors is actually kind of works for the movie in a weird way. It's so pulpy. Like, it just, you can't say some of these, this dialogue with a straight, serious face. But, so it works that it's kind of stilted. And it kind there's of a handful into- of... Yeah, like there's a handful of really good actors in the proceeding. Mm-hmm. Um, Clancy Brown, I believe, is in there, oh, right? Clancy like, Brown's in there as uh, Sergeant Zim. Yeah, and he kills it because Clancy Brown's amazing, but he's not a main character. The point of, is that our main characters are supposed to be essentially the kind of youth that teenagers would, uh, quote-unquote, identify with in a propaganda film situation. That's yep what Verhoeven's going for. Anyway, we're getting into the, the the reads. The basic premise, as Ulrich kind of touched, is that far future, there's a war with a bunch of bugs. There's a kid who comes from kind of a wealthy family. He joins the military. He goes through military stuff while the girl he likes becomes a pilot instead. And then they work together to capture a big, crazy brain bug that their third friend, who's a psychic, because of reasons, don't worry about it, uh, yep. is like, all right, now that we have this bug, we can win the war. And then it ends with a showcase of the horrible torture thing they do to the captured bug creature so yeah no it is a straight sci-fi war movie with a heavy layer of satire over it and my mother hates this movie with every fiber of her being (laughs) she does oh she hates this she doesn't know i love it she thinks it is so incredibly stupid I mean, it is, but that's kind of what's great about it. I know. I have conversations because she does not understand my love for this. And I go like, but it's supposed to be stupid because the thing that she gets caught up on is it's the future. They have, you know, intergalactic travel and they're still using machine guns. Why? Because it's about the inefficiency of fascism to wage war. I mean, as an engineer, I've discussed also that it's actually perfectly reasonable that would be the case. But that's besides the point. So <laughs> I know. But I think the idea is like the, you know, when you're watching how ineffective the weapons are against these bugs, it's because they don't think about adapting. It is all just it works. So we're going to do it because that is the simple mindset of fascism. It's not about innovation. It's about repetition. Well, plus, one of the ideas going on in the movie is that the mobile infantry force, which is what they're calling the army, essentially, are literally just bodies that's Ulrich mentioned earlier that they're like 
Verhoeven called it like if they're the meat grinder, that doesn't matter about their gender. Well, that also applies to the greater narrative. There's a line that's said a couple times in the movie where uh, pilots do the flying, soldiers do the Mobile dying. infantry does the dying. Yeah. So like the whole idea is that, you know, pilots are these like super special, like, you know, military people who get to stay away from the battlefield. Meanwhile, the main character we're following is in an outfit where they themselves are espousing this idea that their main job is to die. Come on, you apes. Do you want to live forever? Yeah. No, the casualty rates. And then, ah, so I love this movie for all of the fun satire and deeper thinking. But I also love this movie because I saw it as a literal child because either my brothers rented it or my uncle rented it or somebody rented it. And I saw it and I just fell in love with the army guys versus aliens narrative. Which is funny because that's it's almost exactly what a propaganda film would be doing at that point yes. is just trying to get your attention. Because but it's the kind of movie. Quote, oh, go ahead. <laughs> to quote movie Bob, fascism is the ideology of little boys. Yeah, I mean. At this point, I think that the ultimate anti-fascist movie is Jojo Rabbit for a reason. But Starship Troopers is like the classic anti-fascist movie. So this bonded with my brain at a perfect level because I was a little boy. I wasn't getting any of the stuff like uh, Doogie Howser is dressed as the Gestapo as much as it was. That's a spiffy looking costume and he's a psychic and they have guns and they fight big bugs and it's violent and it's bloody and it's simple. Yep. And now that I'm adult, I can look and go, it's all those things, but it's also this, you know, fun breakdown of how inefficient and ineffective fascism is, despite the big, you know, beat em on chest bravado that they put on. Yeah. And it's funny because, as Ulrich said, because the movie is playing a very clever trick with satire, it was, it went over a lot of audience heads. Like, and that's, not, that's not me. be serious. Yeah, and that's not me being like, I don't believe in the the high and mighty, like the audience is dumb and doesn't understand high art thing. I think that's bullshit. I think generally speaking, uh, a lot of great art will find its audience and people will latch onto it. I just think that satire, especially really well done satire, is just tricky. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do mm-hmm. with like what a person is going with an expectation and what they're looking for. Honestly, if you're not looking for the satire, it's not – it's not like you're necessarily going to see it. It's weird because Verhoeven is being very obvious with it, especially in the sequences that are literally recreations of propaganda films. Uh, like there's literally a moment that shows essentially what looks like a 10-year-old as a soldier going like, I want to fight too. And yeah, doing no, they, no, they literally do the kids. They're handing out bullets to the kids. Yeah. But Service if you're not, guarantees citizenship. The, the symbol is an eagle on a color-swapped Confederate flag almost. Yeah, but if you're not looking or if you're not attuned to the right mindset to recognize that it is satire, it's perfectly reasonable that your base reaction is instead just a big load of what the hell. Yep, (laughs) that's my mom. She doesn't see it for any satire. She sees it as just one of the dumbest, most violent, most over-the-top sci-fi films of all time, and that's not her bag. Yeah. And as it makes sense, is it's it's such heavy military-grade propaganda, which is the satire, and my mom doesn't get that. So all she's getting is this military-grade propaganda, and she's going, no, fuck this. This is stupid. Why why are we watching this? Now, as a quick side note, or can, you can expand on this as much or as little as you want. The book this is originally based off of, there is debate about to what degree it is about any one thing, but 
one thing that we can basically completely agree on is that the original book was not satire. The original book was, no. in a lot of ways, an exploration of what military life is yep. and what it is like. I have only read the first four chapters of it. This is mostly me commenting from what other people have said about it. But point is that the movie basically took the idea of the book and went in a completely different tonal and thematic direction. So Yeah. No, eventually we will be covering the book as a book club on our Patreon whenever we finally recover from the Moon Knight and the uh, Cowboy Bebop <laughs> echo logs that we're trying to get run through production. Yeah, so, yeah, no, the, the book's its own weird thing. I just I want to get that kind of out there because for my I, – I, there is a debate as to whether or not the original book is quote-unquote pro-fascist. I have not read it enough myself to say that. I have read enough myself to say that the book is very much pro-military. Yeah, but... and that's its own murky line that really is kind of tricky, is can something be pro-military but not be pro-fascist? And then you get into the defining fascism. and oof. Yeah, so, so I just want to be clear that if you're listening to this, you've probably been on the internet long enough to hear these things about Starship Troopers, even if you haven't seen the movie or read the book. And so just, yeah, they're two essentially completely different entities. Like, even from what little I've read of the book, it shares basically a name and a setting with yep. the movie. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's why this is always very difficult, because I love Starship Troopers. It's probably one of like my top ten favorite movies of all time. This is one of my Happy Place movies I enjoyed so much. But I also recognize when you take that just general presentation – with my general appearance as a white guy that would look not far place from how to put this. If you okay, take me, let me and let my me, friends, <laughs> let me let me get in front of you for a second here. Uh, not to call you up, but we've talked about this before many times. It's funny that Ulrich is the kind of person who his interests and his appearance and his Imperium tattoo from a Warhammer 40k thing might give the image of a fascist and his actual political beliefs tend more in completely the opposite direction being essentially mm, a communist <laughs> yeah and even then anymore i don't like that one because people encounter other quote-unquote communists and they're like you're just a horrible human being and it's like yeah it's an, it's an image problem all the way around no i agree well it doesn't help that a lot of actual real world communists were not communists in the original philosophical sense of the word they were fascist using communism to exert that that's a getting into yeah. a historical political thing i'm not going to even touch right now but the point is it's easy to look at Ulrich specifically because he's a big blonde guy with a tattoo that has like an eagle kind of thing who's into military stuff and history and you can make those assumptions. Blonde but... hair, blue eyes. Yeah, no, I fully accept. I'd be very careful when I introduce myself to people because you can very quickly draw incorrect conclusions. And I've long joked that, you know, when I look around at my friends, it's like, man, somebody just, you know, took a look at us just the way we are. are. You would assume we were part of some right wing militia through no fault of our own. Other no, than dude, being... <laughs> it's, it's not this. It may not be the same thing, but like when I was on that date last night, I literally at one point pulled out my I have a necklace for the three horns of Odin. And I was explaining Germanic neopaganism. And I had to be like, also, fuck Nazis who are trying to appropriate my symbol because I've experienced people see this and then jump to the conclusion that I'm a white supremacist because I have an Odin symbol on me, which is fucking bullshit. But anyway, 
<laughs> the burdens of being a white guy. We 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 are so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not touch. Okay, mm, definitely not. But you know what I mean. So. I know, that was a joke. But I'm I know, I know, is, I know it was a joke. But I want to be very clear that it was a joke. So yes. I'm saying is my love of this movie kind of comes as a double-edged sword, and a lot of people like this is a joke amongst military historians. Um, if you love military history, you're always kind of there's this. It's a weird unspoken test of. Why do you like this history that you kind of <laughs> ask certain questions to make sure that you're not going to, you know, give the wrong implications or. <laughs> yeah. Because there's I, I I'm in a weird place. I love military history. I uh, love Starship Troopers. I love 40K. I'm a Germanic neo-pagan. It's well, like. Well, can I say as a side note, I've been thinking about this for a while. Like the fact that commissars in 40K, we're not here to talk about 40K, but just a quick example. Commissars have essentially SS uniforms. Uh huh. But they look awesome. Now, I acknowledge that the SS uniform is completely ruined in the real world by being an SS uniform. So I get this kind of like other thing where it's like, okay, well, it's separated enough that in a model it can look cool and I can not be connected Again, to that horribleness fascism is the ideology of little boys everything yes. it, it looks cool and that's why it appeals to both little boys and grown men that have the ideologies of little boys yeah accurate very accurate anyway we're supposed to be talking about this awesome movie it's just that there's a lot of baggage with this yep. particular movie that we had to just kind of like touch on it <laughs> yeah, this is a very loaded movie and i think one of my favorite things about this and you can attest to this as someone who saw it somewhere recently it holds up it does, but it holds up in a very specific way. It holds up in the same way of movies like like The Goonies or Raiders of the Lost Ark, or which is probably why I thought it was in the 80s because it made me think of these kind of movies, where part of the reason it holds up is because it seems to embrace the aesthetic and time in which it was made. Like, it's almost so of its time that that makes it timeless, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, and especially given the modern rise of fascism, I feel the satire strikes a bit harder because there are parts that's like, that very much looks like something I just saw on TV last night. Or yeah, this is although, language I have just heard. The unfortunate side effect is that, is that I wouldn't be surprised if there were certain parties in our country filled with people who would watch this movie and take it a lot more literally. Yeah, so. well, yeah, there's definitely that. But the other more fun of that is the special effects still look convincing. Uh, partially because they kind of don't, but they don't in a way that is, again, like, I don't know how to explain this. Um, you ever watch the old uh, Attack of the Titans? Yeah. Clash of the Titans, sorry. The original so, Clash of the Titans, yeah, the Harryhausen. Yeah, so the original Clash of the Titans has some very old, because it's an old movie, and yeah. so it's like skeletons and stuff are very obviously like claymation. But something it's about not motion, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all hairy the, exactly. But they lean so hard into the stop motion properly that even though you, from a, a front perspective, can very obviously tell that it's a fake thing, the effect is still really cool and fits in so well that at least from my perspective, it doesn't break my immersion at all. A similar well, thing is going on here, where the the bug CG like on its own isn't that great. But it's not really trying to be. It's just trying to be like, hey, here's a big bug. And I think it look it still looks good to me, but I think it works is any of the jankiness in the movement can kind of be excused by um 
Well, that's how a bug would move. It would be kind of, you know, it's not going to have a smooth human motion. It's going to have kind of a crab-like motion. So you get that. uh, I'm just just saying that, like, there's a certain... I've been trying to figure this out recently because I've been talking about the difference between Elden Ring and Dark Souls graphics. But there's a certain kind of, like, the closer you get to realism in some aspects, the actually worse off you are. And so, like, leaning into what kind of technology you were using at the time. Because it's 97 CG. And, I mean, what was Jurassic Park? Was that 90... 596 something 95, like that 95 yes like 96 somewhere in there yeah so it's got cg that looks similar to jurassic park but just not quite as good so it's not trying to like match a realism it's just trying to be like all right you could plausibly believe there's a giant beetle here yeah no and i mean there's still some there's a handful of real models in there and there's verhoven stood in for the bugs so that you had you know people had eye lines they could react to and the costuming is good i mean i have not read too much about working with Verhoeven, but that naked story from earlier makes me think that Verhoeven was a guy who was generally game for working with his actors. He's so. a very interesting man, both behind the camera and just in it personally, but he's a very intense. It makes me actually sad that he kind of left Hollywood because I would love to see, I know he still does plenty of like movies in his home country. But he went back to you know, France and Europe where they were, you know, yeah, I just feel like there are plenty of properties that I would love to see his take on. I think we've talked about a few of them in the past. Oh, so. we Verhoeven, it, it's so weird that America did not embrace him because he he was Michael Bay before Michael Bay. Yeah, I mean, but I would love to see Verhoeven's take on a 40K thing, just something. I don't know what, but. Yeah, no, it would be that over the top, that stupid that it needs to be. Anyway. This is supposed to be a buckler. We've been going on a bit. Do you have any? The point is, it's a really fun movie that actually is really intelligent when you start digging into it, as long as you know what you're getting into. And it holds up really well for a movie that's almost it's like 25 years old. So do you yeah. have any concluding thoughts, Ulrich? Ah, uh, no, I love this movie so very, very much. Um, don't watch the sequels. They're not really good. They also uh, lose a lot of that intelligence factor. So Yeah, they stop being a satire and kind of lean into just, and they're bad. Uh, the first animated one is okay for what it is, but even then, that's more, it's not the, so much the satire is as much as it is embracing the cool aesthetic. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, do you know where it's available right now? Starship Troopers? Yeah, I think when I watched it, it was on Netflix, but that was a while ago, so. I Last I checked, it is still on Netflix. I have the anniversary blu-ray edition i picked up recently all right well then thank you for listening be sure to like share subscribe do all those things that us content creators on the internet have to ask you to do i know it can sound really like i don't know sketchy it's how it feels to me every time i have to do it but it honestly does help us out there there are these algorithms that we have to follow not nearly as bad as youtube we left youtube behind a long time ago but there's still a whole like you know, how these kind of places function. And the more that you like the thing and share the thing, the more people see it, the more people see it, the more we can grow. Yep. And you can find us on these wonderful, wonderful hosting sites. Are They are SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and FiresideAlliance.com. And if you are listening to us on Spotify and you'd really like to help us gain a bigger audience, you can now rate us on Spotify. Go ahead and give us five whatever Spotify uses that should boost us higher in the podcast algorithm. As always, this has been Axel Wright. And it's your brother, Lord Commander Auric. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable. <laughs>